Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back again to this week's episode. If you're new to the show, then please take a second to subscribe and even consider sharing the show with just one other person. This week, I am joined by Nick Verhoeven. Nick is an incredible strategic account manager, sales lead. Nick, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Yes, thank you very much. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I'm Nick Verhoeven, as you mentioned, uh, and I work for Jetlakes at the moment, which enables EV drivers to charge their car as clean and cheap as possible. Okay. So how did you get started in the, in the energy sector? I think that's about eight years ago now. I, it was my first real, real job. And I just stumbled across a job at Total where I was a, an inside sales executive. Yeah, sales executive. So basically what I did there was to prepare all the, the big contracts for the key account managers to go out and uh, get sold. And that really gave me a good start into how the energy market actually works and that it's actually um, quite interesting if you learn more. Okay. So what is the most hardest part about being in the sales team? I think the, the interesting challenge is that you are, uh, well, you always have to keep the customer up front. So you always have to ask yourself, is our solution going to benefit the end customer? And always explain it to, uh, to your potential business-to-business customer as if they were the only customer who would use the, the solution because it's super tempt- tempting to go into technical details and then everyone understands how the technical product works. But then, and then if they have to explain it to their, uh, to their CEO or to a marketeer, they, they maybe forgot but because they, they, didn't, they didn't get the real value to the customer that they're going to offer this with this product that Jetlix is offering them. So it's really getting the user, what is it, what is it for, what is in it for the user question, right? So that's the hardest part because it's the easiest one to overlook, but also the biggest measure to success. Okay. So how do you measure your successes in sales? Well, in sales, it's quite obvious, right? Basically, the jobs, the clients that we bring in, make the company grow and make our impact grow. So if I've had a good and successful year, then we have created a lot of new customers who are very happy with our solution. And we enable them to offer the Jetlake solution to their customers uh, and therefore making a very good impact on EV charging. Okay. So is it quite hard to go and get new customers as a a salesperson? So... Actually, we noticed since the energy crisis due to the war, uh, there's been more and more interest in ways where you can, tr- can control your energy cost. You know, like people have been consuming less uh, energy at home because it was so expensive. It has been more interesting to charge your car at certain moments because the prices were then lower. So we have noticed an uptake in serious companies writing serious RFQs serious tenders or coming to us with a very valid and thought through business question that they want us to solve as opposed to a few years ago when the question was just like hey can we do a proof of concept or can we start a little project the market has been very uh, has become very mature super fast okay 
That sounds excellent. So did you have any mentors during your career then? Uh, yes, uh, several. Yeah, and they have been uh, in managerial roles uh, uh, throughout my career of Total and after. I cannot, I, I couldn't name a specific one. I, I have this theory of keeping a few, like let's say wise old men, which also can be women, kind of close to me. So if I have any questions, I can uh, bounce them off of them. And that's how I, that's really helped me getting a good perspective on like the more complicated stuff that I might be dealing with. Okay, so what's the most important thing that your mentor has taught you then? Create a problem and then solving it. <laughs> yep, that's the, I think that's the, the best one, yeah. Okay, so what is the most complicated problem that you've ever solved then? There must be quite a lot in sales. Yeah, so because usually you start out with a problem of a customer, right? So basically like what that means is don't be too careful in... Offering, there's a fine line between being too careful and then offering nothing as opposed to offering something which you can build so the customer will be happy with your solution, even though that exact solution is not maybe present at that time. Because, uh, of course, the commitment of a customer to use your product will also give you space in, and I mean in time and in money to develop your product even further to match his or her expectations. So that's the way that that sentence was be, was meant. So you, you create your own challenge by promising something that you can do uh, in the near future, but maybe not be like crystal clear at the moment. Okay. Is that quite hard to do then? Because I know that I would have thought that in sales, that, that if the, a customer came with mm-hmm. a particular solution, that they would almost want a, a full and complete defined solution. Yeah, you would hope that, but that's uh, that's where that's where you have sales and sales because and, and I can relate to this because like when I was an account manager at Total Energies, I used to sell gas and power for industries and greenhouses. It's a very defined product. Of course, you were selling gas and power. You had a few uh, balancing measures and a few markets that you allow your customer to trade on, and there was a few fees that you charge the customer to, of course, like make your money. So that's very defined. And then the customer knows what kind of product he asks from you. So th- those sales, those kind of, that kind of sales is quite straightforward. If you look at the sales we're doing at Jetlakes, it's more solution selling. Our customers, which can be an energy utility or a car OEM or a charger manufacturer, they, they themselves always have a different technical infrastructure on how our solution should work with them. So it's never something out of the box because we always have to adapt to their uh, infrastructure, which is in place already. So it's always a fine line between how can we implement as easy as possible and how can we get the customer wishes as good as possible. And then, and that's just like the products which are already in our suite, which are accessible. But then obviously customers are going to challenge us by asking something which we may not have yet but might be very interesting for us to be able to offer. And that's where the question comes in like, hey, does your question actually make sense for us to build? Can we develop this? And is there added value for our whole platform, which is gonna make it logical for us to build this solution? And then on the last example, there's like almost nothing defined upfront. So we have to, we have to build the whole technical and business case together. Okay, so is it quite hard to build a technical and business case? 
Uh, yes, but that's our job, so that's good. <laughs> okay, how would you go about doing that then? It would be uh, a problem, I would have thought. Uh, so if I would put a method in how we do this, usually the customer comes with a question, right? Or I approach mm-hmm. them like, hey, this solution would work for you. And then there's two ways how we split it. There's one where we do a technical validation to make sure that the solutions match. And then after or parallel to this, we're going to do a business case validation. So mm-hmm. we can, we're going to look into like, okay, what's our pricing? How can we make it worth your while to start working with us? What are the potential revenues if you work with us and have an integration with our energy, uh, uh, energy companies or energy clients, which we're integrated to? And then if we get two green check marks on both the business and the technical validation, that's a really good moment for us to maybe start with a pre-agreement also for then for the other company to respond on. And then the final one is to get the actual agreement. And then since we did all validations before, we know at the time of signing the contract, what we need to do, what they expect from us. And we all agree on the um, steps forward in regards to a payment and stuff. Okay. That sounds interesting. So mm-hmm. what is the most challenging thing about your current role then? Um, well, the, chal- the, mo- the, chal- the most challenging thing is the continuous alignment between our development team, their development team, and me as a salesman, like that triangle. Because of course you need to know that this techno- technical validation makes sense, that the business validation makes sense. And there, there's always this part of a uh, lack of patience from a salesperson. And I'm speaking for myself, I'm uh, quite impatient. But sometimes these sales cycles can take a while because like the products that we are offering are not something that you that they already have. So it's going to be something new. They're going to maybe have a new business line offering this product. They have customer service agents that they need to train on our product. So it has a quite a big impact. So it's very logical that it takes time, but it's in my nature to be a bit impatient and chase them on uh, progress, which is also fine. Okay. And how do you manage that then? So, of course, we have a little CRM system, which uh, works out. But what I use the most is in my mailbox, per, like in my agenda, per day, I write the name of the company that I'm talking to if I have to remind them on something, just like checking in. So, imagine I sent out an email today. I'm going to put that name of the company in my agenda in two weeks. And then when it comes back up and I didn't get an answer in between, I'm going to send them another email or I'm going to call them like, hey, what's up? How should we move forward? Yeah, that's how I manage my thoughts. Okay, excellent. So is there anything you still want to achieve in your career? Anything? <laughs> that's quite a broad question. Right now, really enjoy is the, um, the mix between uh, something commercial because these, these sales roles and topics are commercial. Like people are asking us, how can we make money off of your product? It's not that it's sustainable, that it's just like easygoing and you know, you can do whatever. There needs to be business cases. So that's really, that's challenging in a good way. And obviously we are doing something good. We're helping lowering CO2 emissions. We're helping peak shaving for instance in the UK where that's a big problem. We're helping EV cars charge when there's a lot of green energy and not when there's maybe not enough green energy. So the purpose in my job right now, I value a lot. I don't know where this is going to lead me. I really enjoy the EV sector because 
I've been there for a few years and being in a fast growing sector, which is still quite young, having some experience is very valuable. So I cherish that knowledge. Yeah. And I have no, I don't have like a dot on the horizon yet. I'm just working hard. And that sounds amazing as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So have you ever encountered any career disasters? Career disasters? Yes. So I think what was uh, quite a large disappointment is, well, like my first, like my first touch point with electric cars was still, what well, was a few years ago. We did a project on combining an energy contract with charging stations and a, a charge card, basically to try to solve the price in transparency when you would charge publicly. Because our promise was if you charge at home, if you have a contract at home and you go charging away, so you're going to charge like on the public uh, public rounds, that we would charge you the same money. So you wouldn't, wouldn't have any concern on that it's 80 cents or 90 cents or a euro or 50 cents. Uh, we would just like match it as if it was your home charging. But And we had a successful first year, but maybe we were a bit early to market and then like our time kind of ran out. So we had to stop that project, which a disaster might sound a bit too harsh, but it was a very, we were very disappointed because we felt that we had something very valuable in hand, but we were discontinued. So that was quite sad, but I learned a lot and I moved on. So I guess it's also okay. Why would you be discontinued? Because, uh, well, the, the company got impatient. <laughs> so uh, not me personally. So that, the, like, that's, let's say the startup within the big corporate startup uh, got discontinued. So not me personally, but um, the project. I've never heard of that, of that before, that project would get discontinued. I know that projects would get stopped. I've heard of that, but not yeah. discontinued. Yeah, well, I, I meant the same about like it, I could have said stopped. It's just like like we didn't get get any time anymore uh, to still work on it, and uh, it, uh, it stopped. You could say it stopped. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, if you were going to hire anybody, if you were going to hire a new graduate, yeah. what would you look for? Curiosity. I think like I didn't go to school for energy. Not at all. I did a commercial economics. Never knew that energy was this interesting. Uh, of course, renewable energy came up when I when I was uh, when I did graduate, but it wasn't nowhere near as big and as cool as it is now. So, being curious and being open about these things uh, uh, is going to help you learn fast and get you up to speed fast. Because speaking for my little sustainable world in of EVs is. It's really fast-paced. Everything like things change very quick, and it, these are like they they can be complicated and technical subjects. If you're curious, if you are that typical Discovery Channel watcher, then uh, it can be a very uh, interesting area to be in. So, curious curiosity, I think, is one of the biggest assets I would look for. Okay, excellent. But how would you demonstrate that you were going to be curious about it, about the particular role that you were going to be interviewed for? For would you need to do some research or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would expect if if I would invite someone for a role at Jetlakes to ask me questions on a topic that was maybe in the EV news of the past week, you know, or maybe you could say like, "Hey, Nick, listen, I uh, I learned that in the UK all the charges have to be connected by the internet." So the TSO can shut them off if the demand is too high. Why is that? 
right? So that means to me that you read something, that you actually read into the subject and that you kind of understand already how our solution would be able to fix that. Yeah, so those kind of questions. Okay, interesting. Is there anything else that you would expect somebody, a, a potential candidate to, to have prepared prior to the interview? So what I used to do also to get my own head around the company I would uh, apply for is to, I don't know, make a business case on something that you saw on the website or maybe try to translate the proposition that was in wording on the website of the company and just put it into a diagram just to understand it, to understand it a bit better. And then I would be very pleasantly surprised if someone would bring that diagram to the interview. I'm like, hey, Nick, I looked at your website. I feel this and this is how your product works. Is that correct? Or maybe you have a recommendation or how you think it should be different. Yeah, that shows you that you prepared and that you actually put some time into the company you were uh, applying for. Uh, and, and it shows initiative, right? So, um, yeah. Okay. I never really thought about doing that, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. So, what is your zone of genius? Sorry, my zone of genius? Yeah, what are you most good at? Talking. <laughs> That's a terrible answer. No, but actually it's true. I am my biggest, I'm at my best when I'm in a room with a potential customer talking about how we can solve uh, their issues. That's my biggest strength. And then after or during being able to translate those questions into business solutions we can actually help them with. Yeah, that's what I can do. Yeah, I was just wondering as well, it's amazing qualities actually. Communication is quite key. I was mm. just wondering though, because because you've moved industries from maybe oil and gas into mm-hmm. renewable sustainability, yep. did you find that easy? Uh, yes, because it was kind of natural, right? So, because I went from like selling uh, uh, gas and power to selling just power, but also EV solutions, you know, like I gradually moved into the business. Mm. But what's funny to me now, though, because I still talk to my past competitors because we already offer our solution to energy suppliers, which means I can understand their company specifics like i know that they might need five people to talk to because they have very large uh, amounts of uh, employees and large teams which may result into extra questions or extra time needed which is fine and if you've been there then it's easier to understand that you maybe have to elaborate on your questions three more times because there are mo- multiple people involved yeah so having that corporate background does help me now okay Okay. In what way do you think it helps you? So I understand their business dynamics. I understand that they are helped with extra information, that they're helped with business cases, that that it's fine for me and them to take a few months into like getting all those validations done. It's just knowing where they come from because I came from one of those companies. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. How would you describe your typical working week? My typical working week. So last week I was in London, but that was uh, an exemption. I went to uh, MOVE, which is a mobility event. But looking at this week, I usually have two client meetings a day with a potential clients. So there are not clients at the moment. So it's all new business. Then I have like one or two calls with 
current customers who I help on, like you said, like a key account manager basis to make sure that they are successful with the products that they bought. Yeah, and then some, uh, I, sometimes we have a pitch where we get invited as Jetlinks to pitch at some, it could be a company who set out a pitch challenge or this networking event who asks us to do a pitch. Yeah, and then I do have open space in my agenda, which is nice. And I use that open space to prepare for meetings, to calculate the business cases that I talked about before. Basically do everything what I said I wanted to do in the meeting to make sure that I have a quick follow-up so we can have some speed into the sales cycles. Okay, so is, what is the most hardest part? I think that having an invitation to do a pitch would be quite hard. Do you mean to get invited? Yeah, we'll get invited and even just carrying out the pitch. Oh yeah, yes. That's well, if you have like, I, I think I do what I said, like five or six new customers per, per week potential customer. So I tell the story a lot and a pitch is basically, basically the same. It's just shorter, more condensed, and you don't get like, you don't get questions in between. You just talk. So yeah. And you know, like it's my job, it's my job to talk about Jetlinks and I really am enthusiastic about the, the product. So it comes easy to me to, uh, to do these pitches. Okay. But how long does the pitches normally last for then? I had one yesterday, which was uh, 10 minutes. It's not like an elevator pitch, but there's still not too much time to do deep dive. Yeah, so usually they are 10 minutes-ish. Yeah. Okay. So would you have to, if you were doing a sales pitch, would you have mm-hmm. to, to tailor that sales pitch as per customer? It wouldn't be just one standard you would just pull out. <clears throat> Let's say there's a 80%, which I use as a standard. And then the 20% I adapt on who's the customer and maybe on questions I got up front on, a, on something specific that I, of course, are going to zoom into, or maybe it's a, I'm, I'm going to make it country specific just to get some more information on how Jetlix is active in that specific country. Yeah. But so, but what I said, 80% is, uh, are like, I wouldn't say generic slides, but the, cause they're really well, well thought of. But there are uh, slides that we can always use to any customer, and then the 20% we uh, customize. Okay. So do you prefer, because you've worked in some very large companies, mm-hmm. before, do you prefer working in a smaller company or a larger company? Well, so like, obviously right now I work at a very small company, uh, which I, I enjoy a lot. And what's the great thing about, about Jetlix, but most of the times on startups is that you're not working in the big corporate, but you usually work with the big corporate. So your potential impact is just as big, but maybe on your side, you're a bit flexible. There's more ownership. There's uh, not uh, 20 people you need to get approved to do something. It's usually just one or no one. And it really helps you to, let's say you have to stand for your work. There's no one to hide in front of, you know, or behind. You have to do your own job. There's not, you cannot say like, yeah, yeah, my manager, this and this, or my teammate, blah, blah, blah. Cause there's just one person in Jetlix who is in sales, which is me. Of course, I'm being helped by, by our chief business officer. And that, I wouldn't say pressure because that's not the right word, but at least that gives you the incentive to really learn fast and get responsibility and um, get responsibility over a whole customer journey. Um, and I really like that in my job. Okay. But then you must have 
would you say that you you would have to have really good team skills as well for working mm-hmm. in a small company because it would be every I mean every team works together in all mm-hmm. companies that they're meant to anyway but in a small yeah. company that would be more important wouldn't it well that depends because if you okay if you work at a corporate which is a hundred percent in control when you talk about procedures mm-hmm. then then maybe you don't have to be a team player because the procedure kind of does everything for you, right? You fill the box, you press enter, and then their next stage happens. But from experience, I can say that if that doesn't happen, then team build, like team being a team player, both in corporate or in a startup is, is very important anywhere because there's always going to be a certain degree of personal, let's say personal liking to get something done. And in some companies it's bigger and some companies it's smaller, but uh, yeah, team, teamwork is a given today. Like it's a necessity for, I guess, every role. Um, and it makes the job f- more fun, right? If you just work by yourself, then uh, uh, you'd miss out on, uh, on usually very enjoyable team dynamics. Okay. So I just wondered what advice would you have for anybody looking to maybe come into the energy sector well if you if you're like if you're fresh out of school don't hesitate to take a job in energy it doesn't have to be the manager or the account manager or whatever as long as you get a job in an area that interests you like the market is mature enough where you can choose to go into solar or an ev or ev charging or in trading on gas and power and just start learning it's not the the knowledge of like the energy market comes with the years and it sounds maybe a bit too grown up, but that's actually how it works because it's very complicated and very extensive. So it doesn't matter where you start. Uh, if you're interested in the industry, then start somewhere and start learning and stay curious. Okay. Do you think it's important just to start somewhere and then maybe work yeah. into different companies eventually that you're interested in? Yeah, yeah, and then and of course, like when I when I worked at Total Energies, uh, I was also I was very surprised on how big their portfolio was. Like in like solar panels, they would offer charging stations, like uh, power purchases agreements. They had so much to offer to a group of customers, but we were never able to link those offers together, and that got me curious. I'm like, hey, why don't we do this? Why why can I offer solar panels to this big distribution center? who I'm selling energy to. And that got me looking into the right places. And that's how I moved from the classic gas and power to the uh, EV, which is um, which was for me way more exciting. Yeah, that's how I went about it. But but being there already gave me the the room and the, the information to even know this and learn this. Okay. So I've got one final question I've got to ask you. If you mm-hmm. could turn back at time, would you change anything? No. No, I'm very happy where I am right now. I'm in a growing niche market, which is still, I'm doing something with a bit of purpose and doing something which eventually is good for the world. It's still very commercially challenging, which I like. And all the things that I tried and failed and uh, turned another path to made me where I am right now. So regretting something or wanting to want to scratching something out of that list uh, is going to change where I'm right now and happy here. So um, no, no regrets. Okay, sounds amazing. 
okay, that's all the questions I have today. I would like to thank Nick for your time. Thank you, you're welcome. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening and see you next week. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.